This is the Good Things Guy podcast with myself, Brendan DeCube, South Africa's very own Good Things Guy. I'm on a mission to change what the world pays attention to. I truly believe that there's good news all around us, and I spend my time hunting down and reporting on the best good news stories from South Africa and the world. In the Good Things Guy podcast, you'll meet these everyday heroes and hear their incredible stories. Radio presenter, television personality, and digital media guru, Ronaldo Schwab, is a great example of a modern, well-rounded entertainment personality. Over the last five years, he's built a strong career in both the corporate space as well as the broadcast entertainment industry. He works for Jacaranda, and he's also just launched Skiff, a four-part documentary starting important conversations. Does God hate gays? And where are our gay South African role models? Are just a few episode titles of Skiff, a new South African documentary series that sets out to expose the realities of being LGBTI plus in South Africa. This Afrikaans documentary is a raw representation of modern queer life, the highs, the lows, and even the high heels. Ronaldo, welcome to the Good Things Guy Jackpot. It's good to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, I mean, it's good to be here. This is also your studio. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I'm on the other side of the mic this time. Which is always difficult. Um, I know when I'm on the other side of the mic, I'm like, I was so prepared uh, when I had questions to ask, but now I have to answer them, which is a very different story. It's very uncomfortable. It's very uncomfortable. But we'll, we'll lean into the uncomfortability of this all. You work at Jacaranda. What do you do? So I host two weekend shows. I'm on air on Saturdays from 12 to 4 and on Sunday mornings from 10 to 2 in the afternoon. Yeah, busy, busy, busy. And during the week you're here as well. Yeah, so I also head up the digital team at Jacaranda FM. So I have a full, full week. And that's away from all the sort of TV work that I also squeeze into my schedule. How the hell did you fit in Skiff? And, and let's, just so that the listeners understand, I've just watched the promo for it, which we're going to put in the bio and in the article and all those good things so you can find it. And I, it left me feeling proud, sad, and wanting to talk about it. So well done. I think SCIF is, is an important conversation. For our listeners, what, where did this all start? What is SCIF? How did it come about? So like you said, it's a, it's a documentary series that I've basically been sitting with in my head, if I'm being honest, for the last five years. If I'm thinking back to all the times that I dealt or I, I was confronted with issues around being gay or being quite flamboyant. And let's be honest, I'm quite flamboyant. And I'm not ashamed to to say I, that I... Uh, he's, he's, he's sitting here, <laughs> just to let you know, he's sitting here in a little speedo. Like, that's the way he arrived no, at this it's interview. Winter. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I've, I've, I've dealt with issues around my sexuality for the longest time. And, and what I started to notice since I started working in the media industry over the last five years is that these issues aren't just Ronaldo's issues. Issues. Many people face them. So I remember when I went to study drama at Sunnenbosch, um, one of the first things all my lecturers told me is I will not get work because I present too flamboyant. So that's one big thing that really sort of threw a curveball in, in what I wanted to do. Um, when I started working in media, I started working at a campus radio station. My program manager and station manager at the time told me to sort of be less visibly queer so i was not you, al- you put this up on instagram the other day Yeah, i was told not to speak about one direction or beyonce because those are topics female presenters speak about and i got told in numerous listening sessions with my my program manager that 
I need to be more straight presenting because I won't get picked up commercially. So I'm happy to say that happened at a numerous station. So um, (laughs) it just shows you that while South Africa is perceived as a country with a very progressive constitution and and laws for LGBT individuals, it's not really always the case for, for many people. So I saw the responsibility that I had as someone working on these big platforms to sort of put a spotlight on issues that many people face. We do cover a lot of topics and... If I had more time and more budget, I would have loved to make it a 12-part series or a 13-episode series because there are a lot of issues that we face. So the issues that we're tackling in this SCIF documentary is representation. It's a very important one for me. We can delve into a bit more. We're talking about religion, um, and we've heard the conversations about religions and sexuality over the last few years, but it's still a conversation that needs to be highlighted because it's not resolved as yet. We also talk about relationships, and I, I pose questions to you. I'm on, I'm, on the sh- I'm on the I'm on this I'm in the documentary. Yeah, so it was we, meant to be a surprise, but there goes the surprise. <laughs> also, if you watch the promo, I'm in it, so it happens. It happens. Yeah, so we pose the questions, and and the big question I asked around love is: Is it more difficult to find love as a as a gay person or a, as an LGBTI person? And I should put a disclaimer out there that I'm 27 years old and I'm still single. Ooh, yes. So, oh, I mean, this we'll get into that in a second. Yeah. <laughs> And the reason I get so excited, I mean, this is so I can laugh about it and I can I can say this question in the funniest way. Did you plan the Boer Sukafro thing? No. Oh my- I mean, is that did you film the documentary last week and you're putting it out now that this has come out? I always get surprised, and this happened over the last three months. So we planned the documentary from we saw we went in pre-production for the documentary since October last year. And we started production on it uh, at the end of January. Two months after we wrapped production in April, we heard the reports about Brene sort of enacting strict laws for, for gay sex. There I got reminded of the importance of, of starting these conversations. Not even a month later, Netir in South Africa, we have so much hate being spewed over a gay mm. contestant on a dating show. And yes, that reminded me again. Well, well, look, it's right time, right place. That What has happened in the past week with Boo Sukafro is it's a loud reminder that there's something wrong in society. Mm. And in a place where I've grown up um, and we can relate, uh, where we've grown up to, to in this free society where you're made to feel loved and I have the most incredible support system, mm. it's a reminder that not many people do. And this this brave man has um, and a brave television uh, program yeah, team, yeah. has the team have taken a show that is twelve twelve years old twelve uh, seasons. seasons old and they've decided to put a gay contestant in to what could be a very conservative audience audience yeah. and it broke my heart in his promo where in translation to English he said I just I just want to find love mm. and everybody deserves their place in the sun and I was like yes. They do, like, mm. and yes, and it reminds us that it's an important conversation, and you're raising that conversation at the same time. So well played that you had nothing to do with it. <laughs> yeah, but but it's it, the now is the right time to be opening up these conversations. During the show, when you were interviewing these different guests, did it dig deeper? Like on on the surface, you had certain things that you wanted to touch on, but when you started opening up those conversations, did it get deeper? It did, but it still is getting deeper as I continue with the project so obviously sort of producing this and 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 presenting this you have one idea you have sort of boxes that you need to tick and you you've got your roadmap yes and it's going to take you there and 
as you meet the people, you see and hear different sides to their stories that I didn't know. So, so for instance, I can, I can honestly say at least half of the guests, we had an idea as to what we would want to get out. We got that out, but what you will see in the documentary is something that was not planned and we couldn't plan it. And I think I said in the promo as well, we thought we were, were going to highlight issues and, and problems, but we're talking about people here and it's people who have been existing. Someone actually wrote something on Facebook uh, with regards to this Bushwick-Fro drama saying that we've always been here. We've never been invisible. Um, it's time that we put these stories and these people in front of people because they are there. They're your cousin, they're your, your brother, they're your uncle, they're your son. And they're um, your friend. They're your That's friend. Like, yeah. And they're you. Maybe they're you. During the process, were, were you saddened? I was. I was because I noticed and I realized I've, I've definitely had lots of struggles with my sexuality in the workspace and, and with my family and, and all the other spaces that I occupy. But I also realized that I'm extremely lucky with the support that I've received from my family. And if I'm being totally honest, it's been a seven-year journey. I think we, my parents and I own at a comfortable space in the last, since the last two years. But people get disowned. People get told to change their surnames. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. So I'm, I, I realized how lucky I am. And I think that also reminded me of the responsibility that I have to sort of try and uplift those who, who don't have a voice. And that's the responsibility that I've put upon myself as well. Mm. I believe that um, whenever there's a, a moment for me to speak out against hatred and bigotry, I do. And I speak loud. Mm. And I, I try I try to get it out there <laughs> as much as possible because it is a responsibility for those that have maybe a little bit of a following on social media or a louder voice to use it. One of the greatest moments of my life. Now, now I'll tell you, I don't know if I told this in the show. I don't think so. If it is, we'll have to edit it out. Mm, what is this? Um, <laughs> so, so I lost my father almost a decade ago, and I, I never had the moment. I never had the opportunity, and I, I wasn't confident or strong enough to ever come out to him, which is maybe the, the greatest regret of my life. Um, I believe that, that he knew. Uh, mm. I, I'm, I'm also quite flamboyant. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and then about three years ago, my mom and my stepfather, my stepfather's been a part of my life, my whole life. Mm. We all went uh, to Scotland on a f big family holiday. My, my stepfather, uh, his surname is McDougal, and he originates from Scotland. And at almost 60 years old, he'd never left the country before. So we decided as a family to take him over to where he'd come from, um, a little town called Oban in, in Scotland. And everything there is McDougal. Like McDougal Castle, McDougal Cafe, <laughs> McDougal Coffee. It's McDougal everything. And we'd finished up in Oban, and we, we made our way to Edinburgh to finish off the holiday. And um, we were drinking at a pub and, and having a great time and, and sort of all the, the elder folk were, were ready to go to bed. The parents were ready to go to bed. And I said to my sister, come, we're going to go to a gay club. Like we're going to go jolling in Edinburgh. Mm. It's going to happen. And my sister and I are like two naughty peas in a pod. And she's like, yes, it'll be fantastic. And my stepdad said to me, I want to come with. And I, I, I paused Cringe. for a second. <laughs> I was like, I don't, this is weird. Like, mm. gay, and he said, you're my son. And you're gay, and I'm a proud father, and I'm coming with you to the gay club. And he landed up dancing with the drag queens, and it Love. was one of the best nights of my life. And, and for me, if I look at that, so lucky 
that I that I have that that yeah. my dad can be and he is my dad. He's my stepdad. He's my dad. Can be in the middle of a gay club in the middle of Edinburgh having a pint, d- like just having. And he's a, there to support you, one hundred percent. And he's so proud of me. Mm. Like he speak. He, I know he's proud of me. It's it's just such a cool feeling. Such a cool feeling. Move on to my next question. Mm. We there were sad moments. Were there good moments during this documentary? Were there moments that you looked and you smiled and your heart was warm and you were like. They are bad parts, but there's also good yeah. parts. So I, I think that's that's also the sense that I would love to get across uh, for people viewing this documentary, that I'm not trying to showcase the doom and gloom. The, and, and people The morbid feel, side yes, of being And yeah. people to, to feel sorry for these people. All the people, all the guests that I speak to in the documentary, they showcase a sense of resilience. And I think it's something the queer community can be proud of and also the people can be proud of. One of the stories we spoke to, uh, a pastor who is gay, who um, had to leave his church because he came out. I think it was about 30 or so, and the church couldn't accept it. And he said, well, for me to live my truth, I need to be able to be myself 100%. And he left the church. He's currently working for a a faith-based organization that does a lot of great work for LGBTI individuals in South Africa. Um, That person is doing really well. We also talked to Adnan. He's this guy from Syria. He had to flee the country because... Obviously, we know what's happening in Syria with, with LGBTI people. He found a new home in, in Cape Town, South Africa. He's really gone through a lot. I don't want to give too much away with his family. But one of the things is he's, his parents told him to change his name because he's gay and it's bringing the family into shame. And he's found a new space, a new sense of self. And the cool thing about him is he's also using his sort of his story to to help others. He started a, a LGBTI blog that really does phenomenally well for Arab people across the globe and the community that he's built as sort of like the voice for the uh, gay Arabs is great. So another story of great resilience and sort of something that inspires me and hopefully people viewing the documentary. I'm so excited to watch it now. <laughs> like I said, I feature on it, but I'm I'm two minutes of a big thing. So I'm excited to see what it's all You're about. You're a bit more than two minutes. Well, I, <laughs> I don't know what you've put in there. I'm also a little bit afraid. I don't know what I said. Um, when does it all go live? So it it will launch on the 3rd of June. So we're rolling out in four episodes, um, and each episode has a very specific theme. Um, the month of June is, of course, very important for the LGBTI community. Uh, we're celebrating International LGBTI Pride Month, and it's also the 50th commemoration yeah, of, 50th. Of, of Stonewall Uprisings. So perfect timing. Perfect um, timing. It's exciting. We're going live with the first episode on the 3rd of June, that's a Monday on Netwerk 24, and then, of course, every Monday after that. And then we have some exciting plans for the documentary late in 2019 and early 2020. Well, I can only imagine that if it's an important conversation, and it is, and it gets picked up by the right people, that it could become something bigger, greater, and more. And I, I hope it goes that way. I know, and I might be talking out of turn, but I know last year during Pride, DSTV had like a channel that was um, oh, LGBT. Yes. It was there and that came and that went and it left. And I think that we just need to create a voice for the voiceless. Mm. Um, one of, one of the things, and, and we'll go back to negative conversations, but one of the things that I continuously say is we need a platform and a space and conversations like this to remind those that are alone that might not feel like they have, um, the support structure. Yeah. To know that the, it is okay and it's going to be okay mm. and, and you'll get through this. And I think that's what your documentary is going to do. Hopefully. Um, I'm, I'm very excited. I'm very nervous. 
at the same time. It's a very personal project, so it is a bit nerve-wracking. Um, Have you I, done something like this before? No. I was used to living my best life behind the mic and, and presenting actuality TV. Um, so it's a totally new playing field for me, but I'm very excited. I did have a few whispers in my ear once I shared that I'm doing this from industry folks saying, are you sure you want to position yourself as gay? And I'm like, well, I am gay. Ronaldo, you've been told in many aspects, uh, and we started off the show by saying people have said no mm. and no and no, <laughs> and you just keep forging forward, creating yeah. your own path. They are great. Samizi has done great work. Mm. I, I mean, he's got a he's got a uh, after idols. He's still busy with idols, I think. But he's got a thing with Very Mark now, where he the does fitness. exercises as well. <laughs> fitness. He drives a, the brand new Merc GT. Being gay has not hampered him in the slightest yeah. bit of. But but that's that's the, the weird thing for me, and it's one of the questions that I try and pose in the representation episode. Why are and I'm, I definitely don't want to force anyone out of the closet. Why are certain LGBTI people in the public eye so afraid to share that side of their life Fear. with the public? Fear. We are, we are, we are driven as a human. I believe this. Mm. We are driven as a human being by one of two things. And it's either hope or fear. And, it, and that's what plays on our mind the whole time. So imagine building yourself up at, a, I don't know, my wallet's over here at a bank. You build yourself up at a bank and you're in, in the exco committee of a bank and you've been this type of person for the last 20 years and you wear a suit every day that you go to work and every Friday night you're at Babylon drinking shooters with a vest <laughs> on. But you don't want to tell anybody at the mm. office because you're so fearful that something might happen to change your position. I think that's what it comes down to. Our first pride in Johannesburg, such a, such a beautiful, empowering story. But the first pride that ever took place in Johannesburg, the people that took, took part in it, many of them, were too scared to show their faces. So they wore brown paper bags over their faces during the first Pride. And while Pride was happening, and, and I hope that there are millennials who are out of the closet dancing on a Friday night on bars that hear this, because there are people that fought for the right for us to be free to be that visible today. And, free. Mm. and they were walking down the streets in these brown paper bags, and, and the streets alongside thousands of people had gathered to root them on. And many of the people that rooted them on wanted to be part of the march, but were too afraid. Mm. And at some point during this hour-long walk, uh, the heavens opened and it started raining and the brown paper bags had to be taken off. It's a true story. It really happened. Mm. And I just think it's one of the most beautiful things for the, the uncovering of who we are. Yeah, you don't have to hide ago. anymore. No. Or you shouldn't feel the need to hide. No. Yeah. I'm excited to watch the, the documentary. It's going to be awesome. Uh, we're going to put links at the bottom of this to everywhere where it's going and all the information needed, as well as the promo video so that you can get goosebumps as well. But first, listen to the podcast before you watch the video. Definitely. Um, so that you can get all of that. Thank you so much for joining me on my jackpot. Thank you. I'm so excited and I'm so excited for people to see your story. This is the Good Things Guy Jackpot, only on Jacaranda. I'm Brent Lindeke, South Africa's very own Good Things Guy, and you've been listening to Good Things Guy, a Jackpot podcast. For more episodes or to subscribe, rate, or review my podcast, go to iTunes, Iona FM, or Google Podcasts. Be kinder than necessary to yourself and each other. Thanks, and only good things.